Welcome to Because I Said So, a podcast where we amplify youth voices and use age to better understand the world around us. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you find us. It really, really helps others find this podcast. I hope you guys enjoy. Hey, you beautiful, beautiful people. Um, today, this episode is going to be about attachment and more specifically kind of attachment styles and the development of all of that. And that's just been something that's really been on my mind recently, just in terms of friendships and relationships and things like that, because we'll get into all of it. But basically, attachment styles is a lot about how you relate to other people. And it relates back to, you know, the way that you grew up with your parents and the way that you interact with the significant others more specifically, but also just kind of in friendships and things like that. It's kind of how you relate to other people and show love and receive love. And so it's definitely something that's really, really interesting and really, really applicable. Um, and not to psychoanalyze all of you, but we may be doing a little bit of that. (laughs) Um, and so kind of just starting off broadly, kind of like what is attachment and attachment theory. So attachment theory, we'll get into John Balby and Mary Ainsworth, but they were kind of the ones that worked on it specifically. And basically it states that children need to develop a relationship with at least one primary caregiver to have normal social and emotional development. And this happens primarily in the first six months of life. And then, you know, it, it builds, but a lot of psych stuff, it's like the first seven years have like the biggest impact on your life. But specifically with attachment, it's those first six months that have like a huge, huge impact because it's just kind of like this innate biological, can I trust my caregiver type of thing. But it manifests a lot in adult relationships, which I feel like I was talking to my friend the other day and I feel like it's so crazy because it's like, I feel like everything kind of goes back to how you were parented, which can be good and bad. <laughs> um, but kind of starting off with John Balby, he looked a lot at like the biological perspective of psychology and kind of how it really is about like helping the kids survive when they're attached to the mother. The mother is the one that protects them, gives them safety, gives them emotional support, who gathers food, who gives them food. And he kind of formed this components, phases, etc. of attachment theory. And Mary Ainsworth did a lot of experimentation that we'll get to that was kind of some of the basis for the extrapolation of their findings, but just to kind of talk about his components of attachment. First component is safe haven. And so that's just that they are providing safety, whether that be emotional or physical, um, that the caregivers are providing safety for you. And the next one is a secure base to explore the world. So they're kind of this consistent, you'll hear that word brought up again, because it's important. Consistency and reliability are important, but kind of the security um, to explore the world and kind of like this leadership. Proximity, maintenance, which again kind of like relates to safety, and then separation, distress, which is more on the end of the child. But basically that's just what it sounds like. Like when you're separated, you lose it a little bit. (laughs) You're kind of um it's we talk about separation anxiety but really this is kind of like that manifestation of that and it's interesting because I think that sometimes we think of separation anxiety as a negative thing but it really does have these like biological necessities within it which I thought was really interesting and it's four phases and this is a little jargony but we'll get past it in a minute I promise thank you promise um pre-attachment is the stage that is zero to six weeks so when you think about baby like 
baby, baby. Um, and at that point, we're recognizing that we have some sort of like parental figure, but we don't have a fear of strangers either. Um, and that's kind of like the main thing that it's characterized by. The next one is attention, oh, sorry, attachment <laughs> in making. And that is anywhere from six weeks to like six to eight months. And the main thing here is just trust. Um, and that is just basically trust in the caregiver, trust in like the fact that they will fulfill your needs and all of that. And in this phase, we learn that our actions have reactions. And so I think that this almost like, you know, like a dog begging for a treat, except child, you know, not to <laughs> animalize children. Um, but basically it is that, like, you kind of learn that, like, your crying will get you food, your crying will get your diaper changed, like, all of those things. And we respond differently to strangers in this phase. So it's kind of more of that um, protective trust awareness kind of building clear-cut attachment phase is anywhere from six to eight months to 18 months to two years and that's really where separation anxiety kicks in so like if the parent leaves the child will cry those type of things like have you ever been in babysitting that's kind of what you'll see there around that two-year-old phase and then reciprocal relationship is anywhere from two years on and that's where you really start to depend on your parent and that's where it kind of becomes more than just biological it becomes socio-emotional, cultural, all of these other things, it really becomes this, like it says, reciprocal relationship. You start to become a person and kind of develop your own identity. And so it's not just you being kind of like this extension of the parent, you're really becoming your own. And that's where like negotiation comes in, where you really kind of have some sort of agency over yourself. Um, and again, it goes on, but I mean, a lot of psychology has talked about how like seven years and under is like a lot of kind of trauma and stuff like if trauma happens then it's it really has an impact on you and so I think of this kind of like two years to seven years if you really need kind of like a blanket but again it is on because there's not really like a stop to that um and then to talk about Mary Ainsworth her experiment is really famous it's called strange situation and I will link this in the sources but we watched this in my AP psychology class and these poor children are just being like I don't even tortured in a way a little bit because um, they were just so confused and so scared. I was the poor babies, um, literally. But basically the first thing is like the parent and child together and they're just playing around. They're just messing around, playing with like blocks and toys. And then a stranger enters and you can kind of see it on the baby's face. So they're a little bit like, what is this? Who is this? And then third, the parent leaves and We'll talk about the different ways that the babies reacted and how that kind of led to different attachment styles. But in a secure situation, you would kind of expect the baby to like go apeshit a little bit and like freak out. And then the parent returns and you would expect in a secure attachment that the child would return to the parent and all would be well. Um, and again, that's not always what happens. And so from this experiment, she coined the secure attachment style, anxious avoidant and anxious resistant. But now there are four and this kind of comes from balby um and we'll get into those but basically the one that was added was fearful avoidant and that one's a more complex one that we'll get into but there are also some other kind of like important experiments to know about harry harlow you might have heard of the wire mother basically it was monkeys and like there was one wire mother that basically had like food or water or something like that and there was another mother that was just there for comfort and they measured how much time like each was spent each monkey spent on like the wire mother that just provided food versus the like cloth mother that provided like a source of like comfort. Um, and they spent more time with 
the cloth mother and this kind of like talks about attachment in the sense that like it's about a lot more parenting in general is about a lot more than just like these biological needs that Balbi kind of like first talked about although they still obviously play a role especially in those like pre-attachment and attachment and making stays stages but really it's a lot more about like this emotional connection and safety and then conrad lorenz he did a lot about like ducks and imprinting and about how they kind of like imprint on one person so basically normally like ducks have um like the leader like the mother that they follow around you know like you see like little ducks crossing the road and things like that um and they're just all following the little baby ducks are following their mother but in this case he basically trained them to like be his little ducks kind of <laughs> so basically they just followed him around and they would come to him and i believe that he even did a thing where like he placed their actual mother there and he placed him and all of the ducks came to him which is kind of like if i was the mother duck i would be like what is this man doing why like what is going on um but yeah so basically he kind of like hijacked them and became their little evil overlord person i guess not really evil but (laughs) that's his little thing on attachment um and it was a very like interesting thing just that it's really more about that attention than anything biological because you would expect um that the ducks would kind of like be aware that there's some dissimilarity in the way that they look um and if it was truly biological that there would be some sort of like pheromone thing that would attach them to the duck mother instead of him but it was really really interesting so that just kind of affirms that there's a lot more than just plain physical like needs behind attachment so now we'll get into a little bit about the different attachment styles and this is where you can kind of self-diagnose a little bit psychoanalyze yourself um so the first one that we'll start with this is the one that i would consider myself as and it is the anxious or preoccupied attachment style and basically the way that i'll explain them is we'll first go through what like the parenting kind of is to cause this attachment style and then we'll go through how this manifests more in current relationships so basically for this anxious preoccupied attachment style it comes from unpredictable or neglecting parental like agents um and that's just kind of just i think of this as more like an inconsistent parent And this manifests in being alone um, or without a partner and gives you a lot of anxiety. Um, And you tend to have a negative self-image, but also like praise and uplift others. So this can look like really thinking that you are the biggest problem in the relationship while kind of not ever really considering your partner's problems, kind of just that focus on everything that you're doing wrong. Um, You tend to seek approval and validation and support from others and specifically your partner. And that's kind of like, this goes along with the next one of like worrying that you're more invested than they are, but kind of like this consistent, like, do you love me? Like, are you promised you're not going to break up with me? Like all of these little things. And this can kind of be characterized as clinginess, but um, we'll get into the disorganized attachment style later, but that clinginess kind of manifests in a different way in there. And the next one that I want to talk about is the avoidant or dismissive um, attachment style. And this is one where the child perceives the emotional needs as rejected and they learn to not expect a response from their needs. So if they're crying, they kind of learn to stop crying because they learn that that crying is not going to get them what they need. It's not going to get them that change diaper. It's not going to get them food. So they learn to stop crying and learn to stop showing that emotion because that just is looked at for them as unnecessary vulnerability when they know that they're not going to get anything in response. And so basically for avoidant and dismissive attachment style, they tend to look at themselves with like a lone wolf mentality and that they're very like self-sufficient, which can be a good thing to an extent. But as we'll learn about with kind of this attachment style, 
it kind of goes deeper than just being okay being alone. It's more of like a repelling of being in a relationship and they don't want to depend on others which is kind of where you get into that and it's they can tend to be very closed off and so when say a lot of things a lot of times something that will happen that I've learned about on like other podcasts or things like that is that you'll really get a lot of relationships where it's an anxious attachment style with an avoidant attachment style and it brings out the worst in both of them because the avoidant attachment style feels like the anxious person is clinging to them and then they really try to run away and repel that because they don't want to depend on others and they don't want others to really strongly depend on them but it's kind of like that emotional vulnerability is something that is really really scary for someone with an avoidant attachment style and they avoid emotional closeness and hide or suppress their emotions which is kind of like what we talked about but basically they just don't really want to have that dependency um because it is a really vulnerable thing and it just opens up this kind of older wounds of you know not really getting that emotional response and so it can be like a hard thing to really even talk about with someone that's in like an avoidant and dismissive attachment style because it's a very emotional and like psychoanalytical thing and they're like i already don't want to talk about this the second that you bring up attachment styles or psychology i don't really want to talk about this with someone else um and be vulnerable about my emotions um the third one is a disorganized attachment style and this is the most complicated one um by far because it was one that mary ainsworth in her original experiment didn't even identify because it's kind of a mix of anxious and avoidant and so you see different parts of both um and so basically the main like tenant of this when I was looking at like how it forms in childhood is that the relationship is based a lot around fear with their caregivers so caregivers become a source of fear um but they're also the only form of safety so there's this kind of confusion and that's where you see like disorganization um it's the needs are not really met and there's not a lot of emotional stability there and so it's one that they're still trying to like do more research on and again psychology it's hard because it's like we're kind of the ones who are making these boxes. It's not as clear-cut as maybe, like, other parts of science. Um, But basically, the way that they characterize it is the partner is a source of both desire and fear. Again, you're kind of seeing both that attachment, the anxious attachment and the avoidant attachment, where you really desire that validation, support, and love, but you're also very scared of opening up and being vulnerable. Um, And so they want closeness and intimacy, but the fear of dependency gets in the way and they really fear getting hurt and trusting so this tends to work in a sense that like maybe they'll be they'll have feelings that like lead them to want to be clingy but then they'll withdraw very quickly because they don't want to have that dependency and they feel like maybe they're being too clingy and they don't want to be emotionally vulnerable so there's just a lot of kind of clashing feelings and it can lead to a very tumultuous situation um and again it's something that they're looking more into and you can definitely look up your own um there's a lot of attachment style quizzes out there i mean definitely find one that's reputable i would say buzzfeed is not going to be your best friend here um but it's something there's also a lot of good books about attachment style and um we'll get into the last attachment style but before we do i just want to say that your attachment style while it is something that relates a lot to your childhood it's something that can be worked on i mean i know i've listened to stories of people that have you know put in the work and kind of done gone through therapy and talked a lot about things um and kind of have moved themselves towards a more secure attachment style which is the last attachment style and the one that we'll get into right now and so basically this is it's pretty hard to achieve like just from childhood i think that you have to have some amount of work usually but um 
physical and emotional needs are satisfied, even when the needs aren't clearly expressed by the child. So it's it can be very hard for that reason of like, you have to be very perceptive and very in tune with the child to really be aware and pick up on all of those needs. And there's a lot of tenets that come along with how this is expressed. Um, but it's kind of like the idealistic. It's where you want to be when it comes to your attachment style. Because it says you're comfortable expressing emotions openly, depend and allow dependence on you, um, honesty and tolerance are tenants of the relationship and they thrive in a relationship, but they're also don't have a fear of being alone. And that's a really hard thing to achieve, I think for anyone. Um, and so I think that, you know, these aren't clean cut boxes that anyone just like falls into perfectly. There's definitely like a lot of mixing and matching. And I think that like, you know, it's kind of, you'll fall into one more than the other, kind of like any sort of psychological or personality thing. Um, but you may kind of wonder, I guess, a little bit, like, why would I need to go to, like, counseling for something like this? But it it really is so crucial because I think that it, it just affects how you are in all relationships. And I was talking to a friend about how I think that being in, like, a romantic relationship, you learn so much more about yourself than maybe you don't in friendships because there is that sort of... Um, in a romantic relationship, it's, like, it's one person that, I mean, if you're monogamous, (laughs) it's one person that you're choosing to be with. And it's like with friends, you know, you kind of have that array. And so there's like a little bit more of a safety net, but with a romantic partner, it's really like a one-on-one kind of thing. And so I know as an attack, as an anxiously attached person, maybe with a little bit of disorganized attachment, but, um, it, it manifests very distinctly there because there's that like fear of, loss or fear of being alone or just fear of like this negative self-image and enhancement there because you're kind of so worried that you're doing something wrong and um so basically I mean and it manifests in friendships too like I talk with my best friend all the time like we're both have to frequently reassure each other that we're not like mad at each other even if we just haven't talked in like a day or two just be like just so you know like you're not mad at me right (laughs) it's like they're like these little things and you like I mean with that you can kind of accommodate someone's attachment style but it's best if someone is aware and kind of works on it and I think that knowing about attachment styles is also important just to give some sort of like verbiage to something I think that when you have words to describe something I mean it's why I think we as people love to like take these personality tests or even take those buzzfeed tests and kind of like have something to identify ourselves with we kind of like to be told what we are a little bit I think so that we can fit into a box sometimes um but I think one of the beautiful things about honestly most personality tests but also the attachment is like it doesn't have to be an excuse. It can kind of just be like a starting block, you know? And so it's like, while I say like, yes, I'm anxiously attached right now. It's like, yeah, but I want to move towards secure attachment. I don't just want to be like, we call it like our Lana Del Rey complex where we kind of victimy the little, little self victimization of like, oh, well, you know, I'm just, I'm just the sad character in a teen coming of age film. I'm anxiously attached. I'm always going to be tragically sad and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, that can be wallowing a little bit and that can be, (laughs) I guess, cathartic at sometimes. Um, We want to kind of move towards that secure attachment style and be okay with that change because it's, especially in this case, it's a healthy change and it really breeds happy and healthy relationships. And I think that's a really, really important thing. And I know that it's hard to kind of have those conversations with friends or partners I think 
and this is like a conversation that I think is fun to have with friends and kind of just like learn about each other. It's kind of like a love languages thing too, I think, of like, what do you need right now? How can I show up for you best right now? But I think especially in a romantic relationship, it's an important thing to consider. And um, I was listening to a podcast about it and they were talking about how like as they began dating new people, um, it was something that they kind of looked out for and they were kind of able to see, oh, as someone who has tendencies, who's maybe more secure now, but has tendencies to be anxiously attached this person who is showing me some avoidant tendencies right now when I'm on this first date, they might not be the best person for me to be with just because I know that I have some of those tendencies and it'll bring it out with me and kind of take away some of the work that I've done. And so I think that it's kind of just one of those helpful tools to have in your toolbox to kind of understand yourself, but also to relate to others as well. And so I hope this little short deep dive was good for you guys because it's something that I love and I'm so passionate about and like love love learning about um but I hope that it was helpful for you and I will see you guys in a little bit um I hope you have a great couple weeks